0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Everyday Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. So throughout the month of April, we are featuring PMDD stories to bring awareness and shed light on this condition. For those new to PMDD, it is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, a hormone-based mood disorder with symptoms arising during the luteal phase of the cycle, and symptoms typically subside within the first few days at the start of the period. The condition impacts 1 in 20 women and individuals assigned female at birth, and common symptoms include depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. For more information on PMDD, please visit IAPMD.org. We'll provide the link in the show notes. In this episode, I am joined by fellow peer supporter Amy we dive into her PMDD story and how she decided to treat PMDD. It's a great episode, and I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background?
1: So my name is Amy, and I am 38 years old, and I live in Austin, Texas with my husband. Um, I do have PMDD, but I was not diagnosed until about a little over a year and a half to two years ago. Um, So pretty much with me, I knew that I had stuff going on from the age of 13. And that's when I had started my menstrual cycles. Um, I didn't really know what it was at the time. I knew something was wrong. My parents knew something was wrong, uh, but we didn't know that it was PMDD. Uh, So basically, through all the years, I had lots of different diagnoses, I saw lots of different doctors, my original diagnosis was depression, Uh, I had also been diagnosed with bipolar 2, with borderline personality disorder, with anxiety disorder, you name it, I had probably gotten the the diagnosis. And it wasn't until I um, was reaching kind of like perimenopause and was starting to have some of those issues that I really pushed uh, to figure out what was wrong with me and to get the correct diagnosis of PMDD. So
0: synonymous with a lot of us who live with PNDD is you just go through the gamut of every diagnosis that's out there. So and I know a lot of us have been diagnosed with bipolar at one point and borderline personality disorder, which can be a little bit scary, Um, you know, especially I think too, sometimes there isn't that recognition of the symptoms are very cyclical. um, And so during the luteal phase. So, can you tell us? So, you got a formal diagnosis about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, So, since then, how have you been managing PMDD?
1: Sure. So, once I actually knew what it was and knew the name for it and got the diagnosis, I was really proactive and I really pushed to get better because I lived with this for, you know, 25 years and I was pushing, you know, I was 37 years old, pushing 38. Um, And I just started to do, you know, a lot of research and tried to figure out what my options were. Um, And I discovered that um, for, for cases like me where nothing else helps, you know, because over the years I had tried lots of different medications and uh, lots of different supplements, therapies, you know, you name it, I tried it. Uh, I came to find out that there's something called chemical menopause, which, which puts you uh, in a menopause state. And it's kind of um, a test to see if you would be a good candidate for surgical menopause. Um, so I was able to do the chemical menopause for three months, and then I was able to go ahead and get the surgery. Uh, and now I've been in surgical menopause for almost 10 months. Okay.
0: And when you talk about surgery, what is that, what does that look like?
1: Uh, So surgery is basically where they remove the ovaries. Uh, So in removing the ovaries, we can remove the main culprit. Our brains are always gonna be sensitive to the hormone fluctuations, but at least we won't have the monthly cycles. Um, In my case, I also got um, everything else removed. I went ahead and I got my tubes out, my uterus, my cervix, everything, because along with PMDD, I discovered that I had, Uh, cysts on both of my ovaries. I had um, cysts in my tubes. I had fibroids on the inside and outside of my uterus. Uh, I also discovered I had endometriosis, about a moderate case of that. And then I also had a precancerous cervix. Uh, So my situation, I feel like on top of the PMDD, I had a lot of other things that were going on and that were starting to happen. Uh, So for me, this was like the not just the best answer, but the only answer.
0: I know, you know, speaking to other people in the community and other peer supporters at IAPMD, which we'll get into later in this episode, I've heard that a lot of the reason individuals decide to do the surgery is because during menopause, the symptoms get worse. Is, is that true?
1: I believe so. Um, So in in my situation, you know, when I was younger, I definitely, you know, tried antidepressants and uh, mood stabilizers and anti-anxiety medication. I tried birth control pills. I tried, you know, supplements. I tried hormones. I tried so many different things. And there would be periods of my life where some of these things would work. Um, Some of them didn't work at all. Some of them would just work, you know, for a little bit. But as I got older, I found that these things that are usually what are considered like the first or second line of treatment weren't working as much. Um, so I actually went through a period where I like didn't see any doctors or didn't have any type of treatment because I felt like either I was getting worse or everything I was trying was making me worse. So I went for a period where I I wasn't on any medication. I didn't do anything. I was just living life and. I actually, you know, was doing okay. And I was just focusing on work and focusing on my friends and, you know, just living life. Um, And again, as I saw, I was getting older and I think I was getting into perimenopause. I definitely saw where my symptoms were getting worse. And whereas before I was like having maybe one or two bad days a month, I was starting to have like three bad days a month and then Mm -hmm. four bad days bad days a month. And then before I knew it, I was having like a whole bad week. And then up until right before I decided to do the chemical menopause and the surgery, I was having like two bad weeks a month and two good weeks. And I know a lot of people have described, uh, and even myself described as when you have PMBD, it's almost like you're living a half a life or three quarters of a life. Because when you have that bad week or those two bad weeks, it takes you know, a huge chunk. And like, for me, I just saw it getting worse and worse. And like, I've, I've heard stories. I've talked to people where it gets to where they only have one good week or a few good days. And I was at the point where I didn't want to keep going in that direction. I wanted to stop it before it got even worse.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. And yeah, to, to think about that and, and going through chemical and then, and then having the surgery, So since you've had the surgery, what have your symptoms been like and how are you managing everything hormone wise?
1: It's funny. I was talking to my husband about this the other day, but I, before surgery, like I, I guess it's not like I had been okay with having PMDD, but like I knew that version of myself and I kind of learned how to live and how to cope with it. And then after surgery, it's, You know, it's so much better. I'm really happy I did it. I don't have any regrets. Um, I definitely have control of my hormones now rather than my hormones having control over me is how I like to explain it. But it's definitely different because now I've had to learn like my new body and how it reacts to things differently and how I feel differently. And I mean, there's physical components, there's mental components, there's emotional components. Basically you're, you're, you go from, you know, having menstrual cycles to being in menopause and there is no gradual decline. Like there is in natural menopause. Surgical menopause is very instant. So what that looks like for me is I do have to take a hormone replacement therapy. And there was a little bit of trial and error. Right now I'm on estrogen and I'm on a small dose of thyroid medicine. And I found that that's what is working out for me. Um, I have found that I don't do well on testosterone and I don't do well on progesterone. Um, And so, like I said, there was a little bit of trial and error with that. Um, What the science and what the research says is that the first year after surgery is pretty bumpy. And I can definitely attest that that, that, that that is the case because I am about you know 10 months out now I have had some good months I've had some bad months I've had everywhere in between and now I can say that you know I'm doing well I feel confident I feel you know like I have figured it out or cracked the code so to speak because one interesting thing about PMDD is we're not all the same because Mm -hmm. some of us have problems with estrogen only. Some of us have problems with progesterone only. Some of us have problems with testosterone only, you know, some of us have problems with all of them. And then some of us just have problems when they, you know, when the hormones fluctuate. So it was very kind of challenging, but also interesting for me to figure out, you know, with having this blank slate of not having hormones, like what my perfect cocktail was going to be and like what, my brain was going to like versus what my brain, you know, wasn't going to like. So it's definitely been a process.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine. And I've heard though that individuals who go through surgery, the, any type of symptoms that they do have, they're definitely mitigated in comparison to what they were going through before. Has that been the case for you?
1: Oh, I would certainly agree with that. Um, Whereas, you know, before surgery, we're at the mercy, you know, of our bodies and, and at the mercy of our menstrual cycles. And like, if we're starting to go into a PMDD episode, you know, for a lot of us, we know that can last, you know, 10 days, nine days, eight days, and there's really nothing we can do. We're just waiting until we start bleeding. And then most of us start feeling better with surgical menopause. What's so different is that, yes, I'm doing add back hormones. Yes, I can still have symptoms when I do those add back hormones, but again, I'm in complete control. So let's say I try something out and it doesn't work out for me. I can just stop it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, or if I'm trying something and I don't feel it's quite right, I can tweak it. I feel like the brain, you know, it's still, it still takes a while for our brains to catch up. So sometimes when I adjust my HRT or I tweak it, I can feel symptoms, but I guess it's just different knowing that, i'm in control of it if that makes sense um so i can i can ride the symptoms out and know that it's not going to be forever this isn't a permanent thing i can tweak it i can get blood work i can talk to my doctor we can try different things if that makes sense
0: yeah that makes sense because i think especially you know when i'm when i'm talking in peer support with individuals who are in their young 20s they're like i've potentially 25, 30 years of this more, you know Um, and I can imagine that, you know, get getting back that sense of sense of control over your body can help like ease the symptoms that you may be feeling.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, totally agree with that. And that resonates with me too, because it's like, I, you know, found a way to live with the PMDD. I don't know how, but I, I, I was always just really motivated and ambitious and I pushed through, but that doesn't mean that, you know, my life was all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And the more I thought about, you know, the natural age of menopause tends to be between the age of 50 and 52. And here I was sitting at, you know, 30, 37 years old, 36, 37, 38. And it's like, man. I've already done this for 25 years. Mm
0: -hmm. Do I want
1: to do this for however many more years? And then what if I'm one that I have late menopause and I don't have menopause till like 55 or 60, which I mean, not as common, but it's, it's definitely something that could happen. Um, And that's where I really, you know, became very outspoken about gaining control over, you know myself and my body because I was tired of being at the mercy of what my body was doing to me, and I wanted to again just take that control back.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, like for myself, I I finally started taking an antidepressant a little over a year and a half ago to manage like the mood swings and stuff like that, and it's definitely helped. Uh, but you know, as I get older, you know, I'm in my early 30s now, and considering like, I don't want to have children and I may potentially have years and years more of this. And I know sometimes as you go through your thirties and early forties, it, it certainly crossed my mind. And, um, it's nice that it, it's something that it's an option out there, you know, to go into chemical menopause and then surgery, but I can imagine it's also a little scary too. Uh, it's like this, you know, that, kind of changing of your body and so forth. Um, So did you have to kind of navigate any overwhelm, you know, with the surgery or anything like that?
1: I think in my situation, I was so ready and Mm -hmm. I didn't overthink it or really have any fear because it was like, okay, I know what PMDD is and it's familiar and I know I'm doing this thing that's kind of scary and it's the unknown and it's not as familiar. But rather than getting, you know, all worked up and afraid and petrified and scared, I said, you know, what do I have to lose? Because I don't want my life to keep going the way it's going and I want to change it and I have this opportunity to do it. So I really just had to go into it, you know, thinking the best, being positive, feeling positive, um, hoping that I was going to be, you know, one of the success stories. Um, I did a lot, a lot of research. I asked a lot, a lot of questions. You know, there, there are those out there that have the surgery and, you know, they're not a success story, but for most of us that have surgery, we are success stories. So I just had to keep those. I just had to keep thinking about those rather than focusing on anything bad that could potentially happen. So there wasn't a lot of, I guess, a grieving process for me. Um, I never had children and I was okay with that. Um, I actually didn't even get married until, last year and last June, I actually got married when I was only three and a half weeks post-op.
0: Oh gosh. Um,
1: Yeah. Um, And I never even thought I was going to get married. Like my life was Mm -hmm. not traditional by any means. And I never followed a traditional path. And I don't know if I can attribute that to, to PMDD or not, or maybe it's just my personality. But again, there wasn't really anything I had to lose or to grieve because I knew that like, I didn't have kids. I wasn't going to have kids. I didn't want them. That wasn't in my story. I finally got married. You know, I, I was so focused on like moving forward and the next chapter, whatever that looked like for me. Cause you know, I had relationships in the past, but I just had never got to the point, you know, of marriage. So it was like all these things kind of happened for me at once, you know, you know, getting married, getting the surgery, moving on, learning how to live without PMDD, figuring out, you know, surgical menopause. And it's, it's been, you know, overwhelmingly positive. Like there's definitely been some moments where, when I stop to think about everything, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what did I do? Or, Oh my gosh, I don't have my ovaries. Like this is crazy. <laughs> but then I, but then I think about, you know, again, my life wasn't traditional up until this point and why, why change now? <laughs>
0: I so love that. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And yeah, our story kind of falls uh, pretty similar. I'm I'm definitely not like a traditional person. And I know if I ever get to that point, there's not going to be this, like, I don't know, mourning um, that I know some other people kind of go through, you know, with like, menopause sometimes too. But overwhelmingly what I've heard is like, people are just like, just take it out and let me move on with my life. Um, because it sucks like having to really rearrange your life, like in the luteal phase, like the two weeks before. And I mean, I have to make sure I don't have certain conversations during my luteal phase because I can really overreact and I just get really sensitive about things and I get it. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's it's a lot for some people, but I think it's also important to educate people on this is this is a possibility uh, for those of us living with PMDD.
1: Oh, certainly, and you know some some people might look at it and think it's extreme or think that we're crazy, but to not know you know what we go through and we almost have to resort to this thing that's seen as you know crazy because there is no real cure for PMDD. So the closest thing we have is removing, you know, the, the culprits or the evil ovaries, (laughs) however (laughs) you want to describe them.
0: Yeah, and it just kind of, uh, as an undergrad, I majored in psych and women's studies, so it kind of always, like, makes me think about how, you know, as as a feminist, like, you know, women are just so valued for being, like, reproductive beings, and then so, like, to remove it, it's like, I don't know, I think it's totally badass, you know, it's, um, yeah. I don't, it just yeah it makes me think about a lot of like uh the theory and stuff we used to read about and yeah it's just i know cuz some people will be like oh you're you're like less of a woman and i'm like what the hell like where like where where are you guys getting this dialogue from like
1: if anything i feel like i'm more of a woman because i i don't even know what defines womanhood but for me it's i want to authentically be myself and i've always been a work hard, play hard kind of person and, you know, not having to worry about PMDD and, and all the symptoms that go along with it. I'm able to do the things I want to do more. You know, I, I'm a graphic designer. I can, I can be more creative. I can, um, be better at my work. I'm a big hiker. I like to go on these big, crazy adventures and these big climbs and not having to worry about, you know, being in physical pain from the cramps and not having to worry about, you know, sometimes in the luteal phase, we don't have any energy. We're tired, you know, not having to worry about these things now it's, it's freeing, you know? Yeah.
0: Cause you can live your life, you know? Right? And, oh God. I oh, know it's, yeah. I, Uh, I used to wish that there was like a switch. I was like, I knew from a very, like, probably 18 that I did not want to have kids. So I've been very, uh, it's been well over a decade. And I'm like, why do I have to deal with this thing? Like, (laughs) biologically, I don't need it, you know, like, uh, but um, yeah, it's just, I know, it, it can be frustrating, because like the, just the symptoms of like, like I've said, like just having to navigate your life around it, like having a period and also like the symptoms that happened before it's like periods in themselves can kind of suck, especially if someone has uh, like PCOS or endometriosis or anything like that. So yeah, (laughs) I could go on a whole tangent about periods, but yeah. (laughs) Um, So Amy and I actually know each other because we are involved with IAPMD, which is the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders, and you have been involved with the organization. So I would love to hear how you initially got connected to the organization and what you're currently doing uh, with IAPMD.
1: Sure. So once I actually realized that what I had was PMDD, I became very passionate about getting involved in some sort of way. Um, when I was younger and I thought that I really just had like depression or, you know, bipolar or what have you, I had been really involved in like NAMI, uh, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I had been involved with DBSA, which is the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. So even in my background, I had always kind of wanted to help others and give back um, because I could relate. I could relate to what it was like to not quote unquote be normal. And, you know, my brain operates differently than other people. And and I always knew that. And I always understood that. Um, and so once I finally put the pieces together and knew that it was PMVD, and I did have the diagnosis, and I was learning more about it, and I was having all these like light bulb moments. I actually went on the IAPMD website, and you know looked around, read it, did some googling, and I saw, oh, they uh, actually have peer support uh, volunteers. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've done peer support before. I actually, um, you know, I live in Texas and I was originally involved with Via Hope uh, when they were kind of first getting going. And I don't think I was in the first group, but maybe like the second or third group of certified peer specialists uh, here in Texas. So I'd actually gotten certified and had done this for a while, like as a job uh, in between doing graphic design all these years. So I was like, okay, that's right up my alley. I had just been so focused on, you know, working and designing these last few years. And it's like, you know, maybe I want to get back to this. Maybe I want to get back to, you know, helping others and and sharing my experiences and giving back. So I sent an email. I signed up. I did the uh, training through IAPMD to be one of their peer support providers. And this was all right around when I was like starting chemical menopause. And then of course I went right into surgical menopause. So I did kind of take a little break where I'd gotten involved with the organization and then I took a step back. Uh, But then when I came back, I kind of just threw myself in Uh, So basically, I do peer support where I um, respond to messages or emails. I also am an admin in one of the Facebook groups that IAPMD runs. Uh, It's actually the the hysterectomy and life after group. So I try to be, you know, somewhat active in there as far as giving people support, uh, answering questions, things like that. Uh, And then recently, kind of as an organization, we decided to delve into video support groups we kind of realized that there was a need um, especially since COVID happened and everyone being isolated at home and people feeling disconnected you know PMDD can make you feel bad enough but then you put the whole COVID situation on top of it as well and people were reaching out you know more and more and more so about two months ago, we started doing these video uh, support groups through Hey Peers um, and myself, uh, Amanda, as well as others are facilitators where we basically uh, run, run virtual support groups. And we have gotten a really, really good response from them. Uh, people have been really happy. It gives me the warm and fuzzies because it's like, I'm, you know, you're not, together in person with these people, because, you know, we're kind of all spread out, but actually, you know, seeing people's face on the screen and seeing them kind of light up and seeing other people have like light bulb and aha moments. It kind of just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I always say that, you know, I haven't had the worst life, but I haven't had, you know, the best life up until this point, it's been very, you know, bumpy. I've had a lot of things that have happened to me to get to this point. So if I can even give back, you know, just a little bit and help someone maybe younger than me and offer my insight and offer my perspective. And maybe they don't have to, you know, suffer as much as I did or jump through all the hoops I did, you know, that to me makes it worth it.
0: Likewise, I I've been involved with IPMD for about the past year. And, you know, a lot of people are writing in asking to have live pair discussions and they've just, it's just been so rewarding, uh, just being able to connect with people and learn from each other's stories and just continue this dialogue. I think a lot of us with PMDD, PME, we just feel isolated to begin with. I know for myself, I don't have anyone in my day-to-day life that has PMDD or, really understands it. Um, I've had to do a lot of self-education, which I'm sure you have too, and you've had to educate loved ones in your life. So it's also nice to from from a peer support perspective to see that there are other people too that, you know, are experiencing what you're experiencing. And it can stink. It definitely can, you know, not going to sugarcoat it, but it's also it helps not us not feel so isolated too, like you were saying, especially during COVID with people being cooped up at home. So it's been a really great uh, way to kind of give back and continue to learn. And I've learned so much, you know, from you and and some of the other peer supports who are on the other side or going through chemical menopause and then surgery, um, because it's something that I didn't even know was an option. Uh, You know, I thought it was either like the pill or an antidepressant. So it's good to know. And it's good to hear perspectives from people who have gone through the whole thing, like the chemical menopause and surgery, and they come out on the other side and and they're living, you know, happy and productive lives. So anyone out there who wants to learn more, I'll definitely uh, list IEPMD in the show notes. So one question I do have for you is what is your advice for those who are newly diagnosed um, struggling with PMDD?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it can be scary and it can be overwhelming and it can be, you know, so many different emotions. But in my opinion, I think half the battle is having the correct diagnosis because once you have the correct diagnosis, then you know what your treatment options are. Um, And I think like for myself and a lot of people that have similar stories to me, you know, if we would have gotten the correct diagnosis sooner, maybe we could have, you know, in my situation, I would have had the surgery sooner if I could have. So to those that are just finding out, I mean, IAPMD is such a great resource. The website has so much information. I mean, anything you could ever want to know about PMDD. uh, Of course, there's, you know, all of us peer support providers that you're able to reach out to and ask questions and get support from. I say just to like research, do as much research as you can, find out as much information as you can. Um, I am a big proponent about, you know, you have to speak up for yourself. You have to stand up for yourself because if you don't, no one will do it for you. And I think that's one of the reasons I survived, you know, all the times that I thought I was going to die or I wanted to die, or, you know, I had all these terrible thoughts was I knew that I had to do it for myself. It's key to find a good doctor that understands it and understands, you know, what the treatment options are. And there is a provider directory on the IAPMD website. And yeah, just know that it's not, you know, a death sentence and your life is not over. And there is a life outside of PMDD because even Before my surgery, because I want people to know this because I don't want people to just see that, Oh, I've had surgery and now, you know, everything's fine. But even before surgery, I had found joy and I had found happiness and I had decided that I was going to, you know, live my life for me and I was going to do what made me happy. And now even more so since the surgery, I can do those things, but just to like, believe in yourself, have faith in yourself, trust your body, trust the process trust your intuition and your gut. Um, cause I have certainly gone to lots of terrible doctors over the years, uh, that led me in the wrong direction. And I was lucky to finally, you know, find a good one that I'm still actually seeing. He was the one that did my surgery and now I'm seeing him for my uh, hormone replacement therapy and my aftercare, but to just, you know, look until you find a medical provider you trust if you see one and you get a funny feeling from them or they're not really listening to you or you know they're trying to let's say you try to SSRI but it didn't work out for you but they keep trying to push the same treatments you know get a second opinion go to someone else don't just be stuck in one spot with one doctor or one frame of mind if that makes sense because it's so easy especially when we're in those you know, bad PMDB times to just give up and to just accept like, oh, I guess this is all, all it's going to be, or this is all it is, but it doesn't have to be like that. And I'm, you know, a prime shining example of that. You know, I went through a period of anorexia. I went through a period of drinking a lot. I went through a period of drugs. I went through a period of even agoraphobia where I wouldn't leave the, the house for a while that only lasted for a month or two, but like in my situation, like, there was just so many things. Um, And I did try to, you know, kill myself before, and I did overdose before. And I'm just really grateful that, you know, I made it out of that and made it to the other side. Because when that did happen, and when it was when I was in that state of mind, I didn't see any other way out, because PMDD can kind of do that, to us, um, it makes us feel like, you know, there is no other way out. And I'm just really grateful that I was able to, you know, overcome all that and just move over to the other side.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think it's, you know, I think sometimes too, with PMDD people just, they don't understand what it is. And they think that it's just a kind of more intense PMS and it's been described that way, but I don't think PMS, when you have PMS, it, you're having like suicidal ideations or making attempts on your life or trying to cope with the symptoms by taking, um, taking drugs or alcohol. So I, I do appreciate you sharing that because, Um, it is a really serious condition and, um, but at, at at the same time too, like you said before, there are, you know, I, you know, I have a few days a month that aren't super great, but the rest of the time, you know, my life is really enjoyable and I'm grateful and I have flexibility with work so I can, you know, manage my symptoms and so forth. And yeah, I think it also comes back to, to the education part of, you know, if, if a doctor is not, you know, if you don't get a good vibe from a doctor, definitely get a second opinion, feel empowered in the the medical system. uh, Because I think for a long time, women's symptoms have been uh, suppressed. And, you know, if you know a significant amount about this condition and you think you suspect that you have it, um, definitely look at the provider directory on IAPMD. um, And go, go to a few doctors until you feel like you have a match. Um, and cause yeah, that you, you want someone who's in your corner and someone who, who wants the best for you at the
1: end of the day. Certainly. And again, I had to just like find my own voice and stand up for myself because for years I would just go to a doctor and just do whatever they said and just follow their advice. Cause it's like, Oh, there's a doctor. They know more than me. And then once I really, really like Learn my body, picked up on, on um, cycles, picked up on how I reacted to certain things, when I tried certain things, when I do this, this happens, if I do this, that happens. And it's like, wow, I mean, not that you you become your own doctor, but you just, you figure out that, you know, some of us, we're just, you know, wired differently and our brains are different and what works for the the general public or the majority of the population may not work for us. And I actually, my doctor has jokingly told me that, like, I'm his, the most sensitive patient he's ever <laughs> seen. He's never had another patient like me. And I don't know if that's a, a badge of honor or badge of shame, but I mean, just because you might not be like everyone else and things don't work for you like they do everyone else, doesn't mean that there's not a way that things will work for you, if that makes sense. Like, if I have figured it out and I have found a way to live and make life life work for me than I think anybody can.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. And yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, especially like I said, it's a lot of that, like self-education and just getting to a point to where, you know, and, and there's a whole process of like accepting a diagnosis and so forth. Um, I've never myself really like struggled with that. It was kind of almost like just a relief for me to, to have something like to explain what was going on in my life. There's lots of different treatments out there and sometimes it is, you know, it takes time and it takes trying different things, um, but there is something out there for everyone and, you know, hopefully the more we have conversations about this and the more people look into it and more people research it, the more treatment protocols will come out. And who knows, maybe there might be a medication someday that directly treats PMDD. So you never know.
1: (laughs) That would be something that would be amazing. You know, if you look at my background, I did overcome like a lot of hard things, but I also come from a place of like, just hope and joy, because I just see that more and more people are finding out about this, more and more research is being done, Uh, more doctors are becoming aware, more treatment options uh, are becoming available and hopefully will become available. And maybe, you know, the younger ones, maybe they won't have to have the surgery, maybe there will be another, you know, option. But until then, just knowing that there's those of us out there that are pushing and advocating and studies are being done, research is being done, you know, you can go on Instagram and type in PMDD and see all these people, you know, trying to spread awareness. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Like when I was in high school, I never heard of PMDD. I never even heard about it like in college or after that, you know, and just knowing that people know what it is now or more people are finding out about what it is. That's like the first step in the process.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. I I completely agree. And as we're heading to the end of this episode, I know you host a few uh, peer support groups. So maybe you can tell the audience about how they can find you if they want to attend.
1: Sure. So, um, it's basically through Hey Peers. Uh, so you can actually either go through Hey Peers and search IAPMD, or you can go on the IAPMD website and search through video support groups, and it'll take you there. Um, I'm currently running two groups on Mondays. Uh, I'm in Central Standard Time, so I do one daytime group and one nighttime group. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm still, uh, helping a little bit in the Facebook groups and also with uh, chat as far as IAPMD. And I'll make sure
0: to put the links in the show notes and in your email too. So yeah, and definitely anyone who's out there uh, who may be new to PMDD or may suspect suspect that they have PMDD, definitely check out the IAPMD website and come to one of our peer support groups. Um, we're definitely here to support people, whatever journey, part of the journey they're in, whether they're newly diagnosed kind of in the middle of it or going through chemical menopause or or post-surgery. So, um, I will make sure to put all that information down below and thank you so much for joining us, Amy.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.